to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation, we are about to enter the gauntlet of conference play as teams are getting ready to go to battle from the Inferno all the way to Grand Forks and across FCS Fans Nation. Welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast, your unbiased buys and admin, Matthew Frazee here. Join this week uh, as a duo with Mr. Kyler Neal of Eagles Power Hour. Um, we are just normal folks running this podcast, as you guys know, and real life sometimes gets in the way. So we have some rotational time. Our beautiful fellow host, Mr. Jamie Williams, um, taking care of some family events. Uh, he'll be off this week, but he'll be back next week with us. So, Kyler, are you ready to run it a little bit old school here? As I know, you and I have done some episodes one on one in the past before. Yeah, this feels like back in 2017 when we were young, dumb, in love, full mm-hmm. of fun, all of that stuff. Yep. We were we were just everything was ahead of us. It was just the podcast. You could barely hear the audio and there was no uh there was no foam on the walls. We didn't have the boom mics. Old yeah, we can school. we can change that. Tur- unplug your um microphone. Let's talk just into the laptops. <laughs> um everyone on speakerphone. We we should honestly do one of those reaction videos of the like play our original podcast and just listen to it, put on YouTube. That would Ooh. actually I would actually I'd be interested in that. That would be kind of funny. Oh, it was cringy, but hopefully this one won't be cringy. I doubt it will be. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have found the FCS Fans Nation podcast once again, ran by the FCS Fans Nation page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our podcast, as always, is run by the questions of the fans of the FCS. Um, it's an amazing thing because the FCS really is a small time. It's like a small town community. Honestly, we don't get a lot of national attention. ESPN butchers our names all the time. They barely give us any coverage. So it's up to us, small grassroots to really put this thing together. And if you're watching this on YouTube, our background tonight is Holy Cross, uh, who took down Mammoth. Everybody's kind of up and coming Cinderella. And we'll kind of dive into that a little bit later in the episode. But Kyler, let's kick it right away, man. We had a pretty cool week four, and we have a very exciting week five to talk about. So let's kick right into kind of our main topics. Of course, we start, as always, with our top seven comments, our top seven debates, the big seven. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the big seven. Kyler, my man, we had some chaos, we had some fun, and some things were just kind of went as we anticipated. But we're going to start off with Mr. Keo Wilson, an awesome JMU fan on our page. And he's going to ask us kind of a big generic one, um, which is a good way to kick things off. He says, uh, here he goes again with the consequences questions as he's tossed us the past few weeks. But after yesterday, he can't help himself. Which team yesterday had the biggest turning point of the 2021 season? Man, we're, if you can believe it, man, for the regular season, we're almost one-third of the way through already, if not for some teams. So who do you think, man? Who had the biggest turning point working their way into the tough conference play? Man, uh, I think you can go a lot of different ways here. You can go positive. You can go negative with all of these different turning points. And there's tons of teams on the list who maybe someone wants to talk about. I'm right now going to talk about Central Arkansas. 
this was supposed to be the number two team in the AQ7, right? And guess what? They played Sam Houston very close yesterday. I mean, that was a game where Sam Houston was up big. Central Arkansas started to come back, and then they just couldn't quite uh, make it a game at the very end. Sam Houston pulled away in the fourth, and it's one of those things. Sam Houston, guess what? We all probably thought they were going to win. They were going to beat Central Arkansas. But the way Central Arkansas put up a fight, it's, it's like there's a reason why they were the number two team in the AQ7. But why this was a turning point. Earlier in the season, they lost to Missouri State. Now you lose to, you know, Sam Houston State. You are one in three right now. We all know kind of the playoff records and what you need to have. Right now, they're lacking any good wins. Um, also, now they can probably only afford one more loss to be at least, hey, we're a bubble team. If they win out, they're in the playoffs. If they have one more loss, they're probably in a bubble team, depending on where that team falls, like a Jacksonville State. They may be out of the ranking soon. And then also, they had to play hot upcoming SFA soon. Uh, not soon, it's towards the end of the year, but SFA is looking pretty good. I still don't know what to think about them because of their schedule. But this is one of those teams, Central Arkansas. A lot of high hopes. A lot of people had them in the top 15 to start the season. Now they're towards the very bottom of the top 25, and they can really only afford... I don't even know if they can afford a loss. They can. It's kind of like the over-under. Give me 1.5 losses uh, or 0.5 losses. Uh, if they win out, they're in. If they lose, they may not be in. If they lose twice, they're definitely not in. So I'm going to go with kind of a Central Arkansas um, just because that Missouri State loss, I think it's going to be bigger in the grand scheme of things than maybe we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's a great point because it's not like Sam Houston is detrimental because people are going to expect Sam Houston mm -hmm. to beat Central Arkansas. So you're not going to look at that game and be like, oh my goodness, Central Arkansas, they're not one of the top 24 teams. No, because Sam Houston's top tier, top five elite. Yeah. But man, that's a great point with Missouri State right there because those are going to be fringe playoffs teams because Missouri State ain't winning the Missouri Valley and Central Arkansas ain't winning that conference or the auto bit of that uh, alliance right now. So really good. I like that one. That's good, man. Solid. And uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a twist. I don't know if it's really a turning point, but I think it's something that needed to happen. I think people forgot about Mercer. I think they kind of forgot about them as a team. But remember, they were on the debate in the spring season of a team that we thought could make it into the FCS playoffs. Um, if I'm recalling it correctly, they had some fall games. Maybe I'm off on that. But they, they won quite a bit as they were working through the end of the spring season. And just beating Furman yesterday by 21 points. Furman, of course, is a team that I've promoted heavily. And it's not like Mercer's had a big year so far. They got killed by Alabama. Of course, everybody does. Um, they beat Point, which is a Division II team, which is nothing. But just to start the conference play for Mercer, to win over Furman, um, a team that beat Chattanooga earlier in the year. So everybody was like, ooh, maybe Furman's up and coming. And then Mercer's like, whoa, 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 don't forget about us. We were involved in that spring season. We were kind of that fringe playoff team. I don't know if it's going to propel them into the playoffs because of, you know, their conference schedule and, you know, two, three losses for them is more detrimental than in other conferences. But I think Mercer, they've got one of the better quarterbacks in their conference. Um, I think that could be a turning point for them to at least propel themselves into a playoff conversation again. So turning point from completely irrelevant discussion of the Mercer Bears into, ah, maybe this is a team we, we might want to look out for. So... I also thought about um, throwing Montana State in there a little bit too. Not that they they really have, they're just doing what they're doing. Actually, I'll pause on that. I'll save Montana State for a little bit later. <laughs> Is there anybody anybody else, man, you can think of for like a biggest turning point for the 2021 season? 
Um, I mean, another one you have to look at is potentially Weber, Weber State. Mm. Um, now they had a really tough, brutal out of conference schedule, but now they're one in three as well. Um, their only wins to Dixie State, which obviously is towards the bottom of the FCS. And you know, UC Davis just came in, beat them. JMU was there uh, last weekend, beat them. Now you're looking at Weber State schedule. They're kind of the same thing as a, a Central Arkansas. You can afford to lose one more game and still in the big sky, most likely get in right um, at six and two and a loss to JMU, UC Davis, Utah. And then you're going to be Eastern Washington or Montana State, but not both in this scenario. You're probably in. But if you lose, I mean, you're you're already kind of one more loss. You're on the bubble again. I mean, there's a couple teams where it's this early in the season, only week four, and they are playoff caliber teams everyone thought these were playoff teams they're almost a lock for the playoffs for these specific conferences and now we're week four and you're like it's not looking much like a lock anymore i mean this is kind of a do or die situation some of these teams they are playing for the playoffs in week five um which is pretty tough to believe when you see some of these teams that are playing already for playoff spots week five yeah that's crazy the fact that right now your entire season could be on the line but there's just not enough slots. And yeah. these power conferences, the big three, as we always refer to them, the CA, Big Sky, Missouri Valley, they are strong this fall too, bringing everybody back. There's a lot of teams people are high on. So the 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 chances at those at-large bids are they're few and far between. So it should be interesting. Keo, great question, my man. Absolutely love it. Uh, rolling right into another James Madison fans question, my man. Peter Mooney. Um, great question and a great James Madison fan. Another guy we met up with in Frisco two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if there were stocks, which two teams went up and down the most this past week? Ooh, big Wolf of Wall Street fan. Of course, that's more of a scam. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I love this question from Peter because we this is where I wanted to save Montana State. I almost jumped ahead of the game in the last one. But teams that were uh, going to buy stock in, teams that were going to sell. And I'll just we'll go a little back and forth. I'll just start with Montana State since I gave it away. They're, they're just kind of that hidden stock. That's like number eight on the Robin Hood app that you don't even really notice because we've just been talking about Montana nonstop, right? And Eastern Washington, um, they're always a team we talk about, but they're getting a lot more praise than even maybe you've thought, Kyler, in, in terms of their ranking in the top 25. And then there's little Montana State who, besides the spring season, which they didn't play in, people forget in 2019 was a, you know, that's a semifinal team, even though they got blasted by NDSU. Um Montana State, 3-1 and one right now. Looking good. Um, four wins already, and I'm not really seeing any reason why you wouldn't buy them to guaranteed be a playoff team, right? Or at least right on the fringe of it. So buy the stock on Montana State, making the playoffs and having a really good opportunity to go far, at least into quarters, semis maybe, because they're going to host in round one. They're going to outbid people. So buy that stock right now and a very basic thing that you kind of forgot about. They're like Microsoft. They've always been there and you're like, Oh, that stock's going up a little bit. So that's, that's my number one hot one. You got one okay. for us. I think that's a safe one. That's, that's one of those stocks where you're like, uh, you know what? Buying after Tesla's already had its boom, buying Tesla, you know, it's going to continue to go up. Right. That's not um, a safe, it's not a safe moon, right? Yeah. It's not a safe moon. It's not a gamble one. This is a safe mm-hmm. stock. You're going to put a hundred bucks in it. And uh, at the end of the season, you're probably going to get 20 bucks back, but it's guaranteed 20 bucks back, right? Yep. That's kind of the nice thing. I'm going to go with that same type of thought process and also keep it West. Um, but this may be also for the longer haul. Last week, I was praising this, you know, sleeping giant. I've been saying them for the last two years, the last three years. 
There's a team out west that is a sleeping giant, and it seems like the last three seasons, they're continuing to get better. They're continuing to get better. Dan Hawkins and the UC Davis football team out in west. Um, For you guys who don't know about them, they could buy every single Big Sky team right now if they want. (laughs) This is a team that has a lot of money already plans for expanding a football stadium approved multiple years ago to expand to 30,000. They got 30,000 kids. This is a team. They're in a recruiting hotbed. I mean, this is a sleeping giant for the FCS level. This is not an FCS size team. This is not an FCS size budget. If they want to pour money into that program, they can whenever they want. So this I think is a safe bet because now they finally have a coach that is all about football, all about athletics. And you can see it the last three years because they used to be a bottom dweller. Now they're not. Now they just knocked off Weber State and Weber State's own home. You see, Davis wasn't one of those teams that continued to knock off the big top tier big sky programs. You would always see them the last few years being at the top, but losing to those big matchups, Eastern, Weber, you know, those type of programs. Now they have some momentum. They're a top seven, eight. I mean, I think the committee had them at like 13, which I think is a little ridiculous. They beat Tulsa, who is a good FBS program. They were the American um, champs last year, you know, and now they're beat Weber. They have had a tough schedule to start the season. If you're looking at resumes, 4-0, their resume's up there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm think, I think a safe bet is to lock yourself in, spend 100 bucks, buy some UC Davis stock, um, and even you may not have to cash it out at the end of this year. Maybe hold on to this stock for 10 years because who knows? They may be in the Mountain West. Oh, yeah. I mean, money matters. Location matters. Um, but yeah, UC Davis still got an opportunity to maybe make some noise this year. You're right. That's just it's such an underrated resume. So, yeah, OK, we, we did a little safe shopping there. You know, we're not risking we're not risking the kids college fund with any of this. Um, but maybe it's time to a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to give you my second one here for stocks I'm buying. And this one's on the low end. Um, I'm sorry. I've driven by this, their campus quite a bit due to training down in San Antonio. How about um, Incarnate Word? How about get me a little bit of that Incarnate Word Cardinal stock and let me explain why. Yes, terrible loss to start the year. Double overtime, I believe. Maybe it was only one, but... 44-41 loss to Youngstown State, which is gross, okay? But hear me out since then, all right? Hear, hear me out. Here's why it's going to rise. Because you beat Prairie View, they beat Texas State, and then they just blanked McNeese yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. But look at the schedule on what's coming up. Northwest State, Nichols, they get them at home. McNeese, not that great. They play them twice this year for some reason, unless Google's wrong. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but apparently they play each other twice. I'm not sure why. Um, but HBU is bad. Um, really, it's going to come down to Selah. Like, if they beat Selah, everybody thinks of Selah as this top 25 team with Southern um, or Southland style of offense with the Southland speed that is quick score, quick score, but doesn't really play great defense. And you've got Ward there at quarterback, who is just a freak athlete, heck of a player. Okay, give me Incarnate Word because if they win one of those game, that one game against Selah, you may just view them where Selah's at now. So that's a low-key surprise stock that's on the rise. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals, my man. You, you got one you want to match me with, or or is that, is that a stock you would avoid? No, I actually like that stock, especially because of how many things have just changed in the Southland, right? Yes. The power's left. I mean, mm-hmm. if you are looking at a team who is going to be in contention for maybe the Southland title, I don't think they'd be you know, Southeast Louisiana this year, right? Um, I think Southeast Louisiana is a little bit better, but 
Incarnate Word is playing well. Uh, they had a big win this last week. And I think that is a good gambling stock that has big risk, big return type of. Yeah, I like that a lot. Throw it out. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to go in head and say, hmm, kind of a risk one, a little safe Mooney. And it's, it may not even be safe Mooney, but safe, I'm going to go. Safe Mooney, so it, when we bought it, it's so cheap. Like it's like, <laughs> you it just doesn't got even it. matter, right? Risk yeah, reward. You, you just got to. Um, this is going to be that risk to reward ratio. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying buy them now, this is not for this season. McNeese. Okay. They are looking horrible this year. Losing to D2 teams. You is can, that even on the market? It's on the market at a historic no, low. That's on the futures market. Low. That doesn't yes. exist. No, they are on it. I just checked. You can get McNeese stock for one penny. They are on the historic low. McNeese has never been this low. But you look at what McNeese has the potential to do in the future. They are a blue blood from the South, if you will. Um, this is one of those programs. I don't think that's going to stay down forever. And guess what? If you can invest on something that you can get for a fraction of the cost, what it was even at the start of the year, last year, the last decade, this is a program. It is at a historic low. Um, you should at least be able to get your return on investment in the next two years, but I don't know about this season. I think I think this is not one of those seasons where you're like, I'm going to get my money right off the bat. If I am looking and staying in the Southland, I do like your incarnate word pick. Uh, I just don't think they beat Southeast Louisiana as well. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, hey, I think I think we're being risky here, playing a little safe. Um, I only really have one sell, and oh boy, I'm about to break somebody's heart. He's going to call me out, but I'm going to do it. And uh, I love this guy. Literally just texted me about shots in Frisco. Um, Dustin Helton, the Rev. Um, SFA is going to be my stock to sell. And I'm sorry, my man. I know they're they're dear and they're close to your heart. And they've got a, the big rivalry game, the Piney Woods coming up uh, this coming weekend. But right now, SFA is 3-1. and one, And they had a really close game with Texas Tech. Um, they blanked some you know, really low competition with Mississippi Valley State, Tarleton State. But now you've got Sam Houston coming to SFA, and I'm going to pick Sam Houston to win that game. And then they have to go to Jacksonville State, and I'm going to get to Jacksonville State later. But additionally, they have to travel to Central Arkansas, which just showed they're not an easy team to play against. So SFA, yeah. you'd look at them, you'd say three and one. Um, maybe we got a chance with this team that maybe they're a lot better than we thought. I think they, they kind of had a benefit from those first four matchups, and then they had a sexy loss to Texas Tech. But that doesn't mean it's a team that I'm going to buy to make the playoffs. So I'm sorry, Rev. You know I love you. Um, if I'm wrong, shots and beers on me, man, because I'll see you down in Frisco. So, Kyler, are you selling anybody or are you just staying pat right now? No, I, I'm going to sell a team, and I think this is a very – it's a people wouldn't maybe expect this, but I think it's a safe sell. VMI, they're in the top 25. Mm. They're one of those teams. They are 3-1. and one. You think, hey, they're not doing too bad, the SoCon – Maybe doesn't look like it's going to be that competitive. I don't think VMI wins the SoCon this year. When you look at their points scored versus points against, they have a negative point differential. That's never a good sign. ETSU looks like they're on the rise. Mercer is going to be tough. Samford's going to be tough. Chattanooga is going to be tough. Furman, even though they don't look great, they're going to be tough. Um, VMI is one of those teams. They didn't look that great against Davidson, who's a non-scholarship team. They didn't look that great against Cornell. I mean, they're winning all these games, and that's all you can ask for. But then they didn't look that great against Wofford. Um, now they're going to have Chattanooga, Mercer, Samford, ETSU, Furman, all back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back starting week six. 
I don't Ooh. think VMI takes them out. I don't think they probably win. Um, so I think this is one of those stocks. They're up high. I mean, the market is hot for them right now just because of that last season. You know, they finally won the SoCon. They were finally looking good. Look at the historic data of VMI and tell me, sure, is this a stock you want to hold on to just in case? This is not a stock I feel confident holding on to. This is one of those I bought last season at the end of the season, uh, probably overpaid a little bit, and I've just been holding it on until now. And now I'm like, ooh, get out before it tanks. Uh, I like that. I, I man, we should be in we should be in finance if this doesn't work out. Man, this we is should a good segment. Yeah, we should always do this segment. I love this, Peter Mooney. You you crushed this one, Keo. Especially the turning point, the stocks. These are great. I mean, really gives you a chance to focus yeah. in on some some unknown teams and expand your mind a bit. So absolutely appreciate the question, uh, Peter, and of course Keo. And speaking of Keo Wilson, we have another Wilson coming up, my man. And I'm really glad you just brought up the Southern because that leads us right into our third question of our big seven um this is from mr evan wilson and he says at four and oh and having put up five hundo in total offense and all but their upset over sec vandy does etsu run the table in the southern and at what point are they a top 10 team oh boy okay so i've put etsu at a top 10 team since last week i put them just right at number 10 the only reason i really did it though is because i had a lot of faith in chattanooga and ETSU obviously is playing like a top 10 team, but the FCS has not been afraid to throw that one Southern team on like the 10, 11, 12th spot for ranking like every single year. So why doesn't ETSU, they're 15 right now in stats. I see them moving up a little bit even more. They're already creeping there. So I think you could justify them at top 10 right now. So um, I'm not saying top eight. I'm not saying Frisco. Just uh, if you're going to tell me that UND is, you know, going to, blow everybody out of the water and they're number 10 or if you're going to tell me that somebody at the 11 12 spot is like the best why can't etsu be there they beat an sec team and i know it's vandy so um but running the southern is a different beast so what do you think kyle you just broke down vmi a little bit um i'll share the screen here if you guys are watching on our youtube channel of course subscribe to that uh but what do you think about etsu's chances to maybe run that southern conference and be a top 10 team so I like everything um, ETSU has done so far this year to to give me faith that they have a good shot to win the SoCon. You know, they've put up 161 points. It's a good amount of points. Um, they've also held teams at 71. So, it, you know, when you're looking at a point differential, they are actually looking really good. Um, I, I do think they'll probably hiccup at least one time in the SoCon, though, because when have you ever seen a team from the SoCon outside of when App State was there actually dominate the SoCon? Normally, you're getting quite a bit of six and two or, you know, teams like this. They're battling. Sometimes even your top dog is five and three. So I don't think they run through the SoCon. I do think it's going to be a battle, which means I also do not think they're a top 10 team. Um, they look good. I think people can qualify them to be a top 10. But if you're looking at their resume, I don't. It is what it is. Um, and I don't think you've done enough in the past historically to say, all right, you should be against these teams or above these teams when they've done more in the last few years, plus their resume is similar this year. But I mean, yeah, big win at Vanderbilt. That is awesome to win against any SEC team by 20, especially when you're not like the power FCS conference. If NDSU did that, it is what it is. That's kind of what a top five um, FCS program should do, top 10. So maybe you are proving you're a little bit top 10, but then the rest of the schedule, Dell State is horrible. Virginia-wise, I don't even know if they're D2. You know, you had to go to OT with Sanford, but Sanford is a great offensive team. I think you're going to prove a lot when you're having to play Chattanooga, Furman, and VMI all back-to-back. -back. 
Um, so I don't think I'm ever going to have you in my top 10 until maybe you go through that gauntlet. Uh, but really, it's one of those things. The SoCon, they have not done well um, since, you know, Wofford in the postseason. And that's really getting their butts kicked in the quarterfinals. So right now, I, I think the only way you're going to prove to me that you're a top 10 team, you got to get through this whole schedule. And then you got to make it to the quarters. I mean, that that's what it is right now. And that may seem like that's harsh or brash. But that's just how it is in the SoCon to me right now. Uh, but I don't think you get through the whole schedule being undefeated, which means no one's going to have you in the top 10. But if you do, you definitely deserve top 10 rankings. It's just now you got to prove it at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you want to hit the Google machine for me, back me up in this if I'm wrong. But you want to look up Wofford for me? Because Wofford's going to be kind of my sticking point here. Where Wofford, um, when they were kind of the terriers and they were the kind of the maybe standard there for those i would say five six years almost always in the playoffs top of the conference um they were seeing those top 10 votes they were right there yeah. on the fringe and they oh, were yeah. always quarterfinals or at least pretty dang close second round of quarterfinals before they'd go up against some big NDSU and you know it inevitably they'd get beat there but uh wofford would do really well in conference play and maybe have one loss at the worst and they would get that top 10 voting. So I think that's that's a rightful, it's a right take, if you will, to say, listen, you can't just win this Southern Conference with a few losses. Like you should be able to maybe drop one and the rest of you should be good. But the problem with ETSU is that's not easy because of the schedule. Exactly the point you made at Chattanooga, at Furman. They're not the best teams in the world, but Chattanooga was everybody's, you know, Cinderella darling coming into this fall season. And then VMI, I know you're not big high on them. You just literally wanted to sell the stock, but that doesn't mean they're a bad team. Right. They're going to come to you, and that's three weeks in a row. Chattanooga, Furman, VMI. A top 10 team probably wins all three of those, right? And is like, all right, look at us. Beat the chess, you know? Look out. Come quarterfinals. You're not just going to knock us out. So I don't think they run the Southern by any means, but I still think they can win it. They definitely can win it. And I think right now you should be looking at them at a top 10 team just because the Southern has got that respect in the past. Um, were you able to hit those Google fingers, my man? Was What's Wofford kind of look like in these this past half decade or so? Yeah, Wofford's been ranked in the top 10 multiple times, but they don't ever beat top 10 teams, mm. uh, if that kind of makes sense. Um, no. So they're, they're one of those teams. They The last couple times they've been to the quarters, they get to the quarters, and most of the time... They're somewhat competitive for most of the games, but then others are getting blown out by actual top 10 teams. So that's kind of one of those things. It depends on your matchup when you're in the postseason, really. If you are going to play a Kennesaw or some of these other uh, maybe Southern Conference teams, like in the South, not Southern Conference, but in the Southern Conferences or, um, you know, maybe an NEC team, something like that, where maybe they're not as proven, then you have a good chance to win a few games in the playoffs. But then once you're actually playing the top 10 caliber teams, you just got to start beating them in the playoffs. So um, yeah, Wofford, they've definitely been ranked in the top 10 a few times, but they don't finish really in the season too many times in the top 10, if that makes sense. Um, For sure. And we don't, we don't want to be cop outs here either. Anybody who's a Southern fan or likes ETSU right now that's listening is like, okay guys, great. Matt just made a point about Wofford who stinks this year. And that's going to be your reason why we're not top 10 and we can't win the Southern. Like, what about us? Um, and to your point a little bit, Kyler, I would say this last week gave me a little bit of pause. Like, way to win with some adversity. But yeah. the teams you played prior, awesome upset over Vanderbilt. But awesome. you did what you had to do against Virginia. Wise, uh, Delaware State did what you had to do. But now you get a seven-point overtime win where you give up a ton of points against Samford. Ooh, I don't I'm know. Hopefully it's a one-time little 
almost hiccup, but I don't know if that means you're going to make it all the way through the Southern and run it all the way through. I don't think so. Well, Southern has has a good offense. Sometimes you just have a a mismatch on stylistic matchups, right? So sometimes games should be closer, even though they really aren't, or on they're not supposed to be on paper. Um, so I don't I don't really judge that. They won the game. That is nice. I do think they're probably they have the best chance to win the SoCon. Um, I'm just not sure if a SoCon team's a top ten. I want them to prove it more to me by playing teams in your at a conference that's not Virginia wise, that's not Dell State. Um, but I mean, like I said, they have a chance if they get through the conference, put them in your top 10. I, right now I have them at 15 and I think that's pretty respectable. So it's not like I think they're a crap team. I put them in my top 15 for a reason that Vanderbilt as bad as Vanderbilt is, that was an impressive win because you just didn't beat them in a close game or a back and forth. You oh, destroyed yeah. them. I mean, that mm -hmm. that's kind of what speaks volumes on why I'm like, all right, ETSU, I think you have as good of a shot to anyone to win the SoCon. Um, but you do have a little bit of a SoCon in the conference gauntlet coming up. And I just want to see how you perform there before I push you in my top 10. Yeah. And that uh, top 15, if you looked at rankings the way you did the playoffs, right there is going to put you as a quarterfinals team or second round at least. So um, pretty impressive. All right. Thank you so much, Evan Wilson, for the question. Moving on here. This is really great. It's from Bruce Edmiston. This is actually a tough one. Bruce, an awesome Jacksonville State fan. Uh, he's asking, what is a bigger surprise here? for these losses that occurred jacksonville state losing at home or weber state losing at home and which loss hurts the most uh I, i'm just gonna go in right away do it i think it's jacksonville state because of a lot of points i think you're gonna make Kyler. i'm gonna veer off a little bit to bruce and others i it, this just needs to be said coach gross needs to be fired 100 percent needs to be fired okay i've been doing this podcast for five years and i've been on the pages of fcs for more than that and how many times do we hear the same thing well if he's gone what are we going to do well he's so good with recruiting and transfers who are you what do you want to be you were in the state of alabama with the standard of nick saban at the fbs level and i know a lot of you gamecock fans are are bama fans at the fbs level is your defined culture we almost beat, um, I think it was LSU with Eli Jenkins once, and then we made it to Frisco once, and uh, we beat Eastern Washington when they got really tired once. Is that what you want to be? Is that your defined legacy? I've never seen such undisciplined, up and down, back and forth than Jacksonville State, especially the last half decade. How many chances does one coach get for a team to be a constant disappointment? I know Jacksonville State fans know this, but... You have never, ever beaten a Big Sky, CAA, or Missouri Valley team in the playoffs. Not once. When you went to the 2015 title game, NDSU stomped you into the ground. And maybe it was lack of preparation. I don't know. Maybe NDSU was just better. But the excuses are done for Jacksonville State, for the coaching staff. How is this allowed where the program, the, the people like Bruce and others, they are too good of folks and they are too passionate about their team to accept um, being labeled as this. This is basically Jacksonville State. We're okay being relevant in the stats top 25 conversation preseason 25, but we'll never win a national title. Really nice. At least they talk about us, though. Like, really, that's the standard you want to be at because that's all Co Coach Grass has done for you. There's There hasn't been anything else impressive. I'm sorry to just rant, but have some faith that your fan base 
a, a new defined culture, some development can take place and you can actually just change things and like go for a real strong winning season. This, this is just not working at Jacksonville state. I, I should not pull up my phone from at a buddy's wedding, see that score and go, what the heck? But it happens all the time. Fire coach Gross. Uh, everyone all the time talks about, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is finding someone who's going to bring you um, at least some pride instead of this up and down crap. So sorry to go off on that, but Jacksonville State's loss is way worse. You should never lose to Tennessee Martin. And uh, Weber lost to a team in UC Davis. Go, Am, am I crazy, man, or am I not? No, I mean, for one, which one's worse? UC Davis is ranked higher than Weber State. Uh, I didn't look at the line, but I'm pretty sure the line was pretty close as even as possible. So then when you look at this Jacksonville State versus UT Martin, and UT Martin is not a bad team. Let's let's just throw that out there. They have a good chance to potentially win the OVC, right? They're playing well. Awesome P just left, or you know they just lost. So UT Martin has a good chance to shake some things up in the OVC. But yeah, which one hurts more? Jacksonville State. And I want to kind of allude to a little bit of your rant. Um, for one, I don't think Gross is that bad of a coach in the grand scheme of things. Do I think he is a coach that you want on a team that's loaded with talent and aspirations? No. Do I think John um, Gross would be good on a mid-level FCS team that doesn't have a lot of expectations? Absolutely. He's proven himself. He is a good coach. He can win games. Um, can he win the top tier games? I don't know. And I think it has to do more with, um, I don't buy into the whole, let's get everyone as a transfer culture. The reason why I don't is because if you are trying to recruit and everyone says he's a great recruiter, but you're recruiting these kids out of high school who's buying into the program, they want to be Gamecocks, they're looking in this, and then the next year you get a transfer that's going to steal their position when they thought they were going to play, that causes a little bit of riffle in the locker room, especially when it's all the time. And then also, I just don't think Gross is a good development coach. Uh, when you're looking at all these transfers, I think it's safe to say, Matt, you and I would agree Jacksonville State Probably one of the more talented rosters every single year. They have tons of talent. You That's... can plug and play them in any type of conference, and they have the talent to compete with the top-tier teams. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But when you take all these teams from the SEC or these players, I don't think you're elevating them. I think they are staying stagnant. You're not able to develop these players. Zarek Cooper, he's been the same player for the last three years. And he is an NFL prospect. Everyone's saying he is the best NFL prospect at the FCS level. He doesn't play like it. Mm -mm. He's got the talent. When you look at his mechanics, when you look at his arm strength, when you look at the way he can you know, get out of the pocket, he has all the talent in the world to be the number one um, quarterback in the FCS. Size, strength, everything. He's not being developed. Um, and then, yeah. Trey so Barry, Trey Barry, the tight end. Look at that. Probably one of the best tight ends in the FCS in the last 10 years in terms of just pure physical stature, right? He is not a guy you want to go up against. What is he, 6'7", 255? Oh, yeah. Just, just a beast of a tight end, especially going against these FCS level, you know, maybe defensive, which we have good defenses. I don't want to you know, seem like I'm throwing FCS under the bus. But when you have that big of a mismatch on paper and you don't utilize him, there's something about Gross, and I don't know if it's more the OC Maybe he needs to go back to being a coordinator and maybe not run a team. Maybe he can't. But again, he has success. So I don't want to say he's a horrible coach. I just don't think he's going to elevate your program to the level Jacksonville State requires. But let's go back to the actually this question. Which one is the bigger surprise? Yeah, it is Jacksonville State. You, I mean, UT Martin is good, but you shouldn't be losing to UT Martin. Um, especially it was at home, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. The question was at home. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, you just shouldn't be losing to UT Martin. UT Martin wasn't ranked. UC Davis is ranked above Weber State. So that seems like it's a no-brainer. Um, and now both Weber and Jacksonville State are potentially one loss away from being out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's and maybe Jacksonville State's just not as good this year, but it's just overall, how many times do we have to watch this story play out? Like, I, you nailed it right there, and that's that's what it is. I think Jacksonville State has the facilities the recruiting grounds, the transferability with like kind of the little pick of the litter for folks who maybe didn't make it at the SEC level to really always have something strong. And they fall yeah. short of expectations every time. Yeah. And to me, that's coaching and culture. And that starts with a head coach. It, and it sounds like to me, the boosters and the people at Jacksonville State are willing to be just good enough to be in the spotlight, but not go win championships like they did at the Division II level where they won a natty, went to four national championships, correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce, and in the early late 80s, early 90s, Division II football for the Gamecocks, they were rolling, baby. So yeah. whatever you had culturally there, I don't, I'm not a historian, maybe you should bring it back now because you've got the setup to pull it off. So Can, um, I, can and, I ask one last question? Yeah, absolutely. This? Yep. When do we start blaming the media um, for continuing to prop up Jacksonville State? It's, I mean, now, this one I, I can kind of see. They just got off beating Florida State. Like, that makes a little bit of sense. Right. Then they did not look good against North Alabama, who everyone after that game, they're like, North Alabama is better than they better than people think they are. No, they're not. Um, I'm sorry. They're just – they're going to be a good program in five years, but they are still not up to that top half level. And, yes, it's a rivalry game. You're going to be competitive with them sometimes. But, like – Maybe the media needs to stop propping up Jacksonville State every single year that they're ranking them in the top 10, top 8 when they haven't proven since only one year in the last maybe 10, maybe two years. 2013, they were top 10 team, but you know, to end the season. But that's it. 2015, 2013 are the only times they have finished in the top 10, um, at least should have, if you look at playoff resume. So maybe the media is to blame. Maybe we're to blame. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just not doing the research like, oh, yeah, Jacksonville State's good. Kevin from FCS Fans Radio, um, he called this upset. He was yeah. like, if you actually just look at the teams, I would say Tennessee Martin's going to win this football game. And I saw his rationale and stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, man, somebody actually dove into it a little bit. Yeah. But if I would have to say the guy at the helm is the, is the reason why you're falling short, and I think you could still bring in the talent without him. So, but hey, we'll have to see. I don't know. I don't know any of these people personally, and I'm not a booster. So, all right, uh, Bruce, we kind of, I went off on a different thing, but I care about you and your fans, and I think you deserve better. That's my main point of this entire thing. So, and uh, Weber State's loss, not as bad, even though you are right, Bruce, they're not looking great, like you have called it out, but they did lose to a team that is also ranked and looking really well. So, all right, guys, uh, moving on here, Kyler. This one's pretty cool. Um, from Montana Man, this is a uh, extra account that has joined our page. I'm not sure who the actual individual who runs it is, but he wants to know with some high-powered offense and defenses across the league, which team has the most dominating offense right now, most dominating defense, and which one has the most dominating special teams? This is a really cool question, and uh, I'm not really sure on special teams, but I wanted to give a shout-out to two players, obviously Ethan Racky, if I got the name right, from James Madison, um, beating Dan Carpenter's all-time kicking record there uh, while he was in Big Sky Country. And then Christian Watson from NDSU, uh, just a freak kick return um, uh, returner. So he's one of those elite guys. But special teams unit as a whole, kind of hard for me to research and dive into. But why don't you start with the offense, man? Who do you think is the most dynamic offense at the FCS level? I mean, right now, there's only one offense that rings a bell. 
Um, call me a homer. Right now it is Eastern Washington. I mean, Eric Berrier has more total yards himself than 119 FCS programs. And one of them that has more than him is Eastern Washington. So, so I mean, right now, Eastern Washington leads in total offense. They lead in total touchdowns. It's, and it's not one of those things we're only scoring through the air. We're number three in the nation in rushing touchdowns. We're top 25 in rushing yards. Right now, the most dynamic offense is Eastern Washington. Uh, now, we haven't played the best defenses yet. So now we'll see what really happens. But just when you're looking on paper, I mean, they're averaging 600 yards a game pretty much. Um, they put up 50 plus points pretty much against everyone besides UNLV. Um, but they still did 35 points or something like that. I don't remember. Um, so, I mean, right now, Eastern Washington, best offense, um, probably followed closely by, I'm actually going to say James Madison right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, what they've got out of Cole Johnson uh, out of this Efficient. season. Yeah, efficiency. We, we kind of talked about that in last week in terms of they've kind of uh, Ben Denucci them, basically. Because Ben yeah. Denucci, when he transferred in, everyone was like, oh, this guy's a huge bust. And then suddenly Kurt Signetti is getting a whole different side of him. So he might be a little bit of a quarterback whisperer over there. And look what, look what um, you know, James Madison did traveling to Weber versus what UC Davis. And UC Davis has had a high-powered offense, was able to do at Weber. James Madison, their offense is just as good um, if, you know, as Eastern Washington right now. They run it slightly different, but they are efficient. They're going to score. They're going to march down the field. Those are the two top offenses right now. Things can change by week six, but those are the two top ones that I see right now. Now, are we looking at defenses? I'll go off defenses. Um, I think there is one defense that stands alone right now, unfortunately, and it is North Dakota State. Now, you know, they lack some of the competition, but the volume speaks for themselves. They're only giving up like three points. I already kind of looked up this, and their number, I don't count Princeton yet so far. I don't know really who they've played. Princeton's a solid defense, but um, look at that. 3.49 yards of play. They've only given up, what, three or four points a game. Now, they haven't had the best teams that they're playing against. It's going to really showcase when they're playing like a South Dakota State. But right now on paper, North Dakota State is not a defense I want to mess with. Yeah, the defensive things are pretty telling in terms of we talk about those top tiers. And of course, they say defense wins championships. But I'm with Kyler Neal on this. No, the most balanced teams win championships. You could, you need a good defense, but balance will win. And you see on there, James Madison in total defense, number four. And you see North Dakota State, number two. Uh, South Dakota State, which, you know, Colorado State, I'm guessing, had an effect on that. But they're, uh, they're top 20 if you come here down the list. Yep, they're number 20 right here. Montana, number 13. The Grizz fans are really pumped about where their defense is right now. Well, Mon oh. Montana's is a little weird, too, because you look at scoring defense. What's more important, a team that can score an extra 50 yards on you or a team that's not going to be able to actually close and end the drive with a score? Montana's only given up one touchdown all season, and they played UW. <laughs> I mean, yeah. th those are kind of the things where you're like, all right, just because total uh, total defense is all about yardage, guess what? There's going to be a lot of teams who in the big sky will be able to put up yards against you, but can they score on you? And that's where Montana has been able to shut down everyone. There was one fluke. Cal Poly had seven points. They scored a touchdown. That's it so far on the season. So, I mean, we'll see Montana. You should be pretty high on your defense. Um, do you have anything to add? Because I do have special teams. Yeah, um, I'll let you roll special teams. I just wanted to say that we're going to find out right now. If you wanted me to pick right now, most dominant defense, um, I'd go with South Dakota State because they did, you know, a lot of work against Colorado State. They just blanked Indiana State. It's not like their competition has been the best besides an FBS team. But 
I think that 20 is a little undeserved because of the Colorado State game. Um, so I'll go South Dakota State right now. We're going to find out with NDSU with going to UND this week. Um, and then they're going to have you and I after that. And we're going to find out with uh, Montana, who's going to Eastern Washington. So uh, I would say with defense, I'll stick with South Dakota State, but we'll have to see how it all plays out. And I'll let you roll with special teams, man, since I had kind of a cop out. Yeah, um, so special teams, it's Eastern Washington. We've missed five field goals. Um, so there you go. Uh, no, I, I actually think... Mark them mark up, number one. <laughs> Little troll. Yeah, um, holy, holy Homer over here. Yeah, no, so... I actually am going to give this nod right now to Montana. Um, Their number, I think, tied number one in kick returns in terms of yardage. I think it's like 42 yards a kick return. Now, that could be because no one's scoring a touchdown on them, so they've only had one kick return. I mean, that that could be one of the reasons why. Uh, You know, no one's really scoring too many points on them, so they're very limited in, in terms of kick returns. So that number will fluctuate. But, you know, they had a return TD. Not too many teams have done that so far this year. Um... I don't know too much about the actual kicking game for them, but at least on the return aspect, Montana looks really good special teams-wise. Cool. Yeah, all three phases as those Grizz continue to impress. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a little bit more. So great question. Appreciate that, Montana man. I assume good luck to your... uh, It could be Bobcats or Grizz. I'm going to assume Grizz. Uh, Good luck to them this weekend. All right, guys, moving into this. Mr. Hall Jones, an awesome James Madison fan. JMU fans coming out for this podcast. I love it. Uh, he wants to know, did Sam Houston solidify their argument for being a top seed this week? Interesting. So I wonder if Hall's coming at this with a little bit of sarcasm because it was a closer game. Um, I don't think so, though, because this would have been one of the tougher games for Sam Houston on their schedule where people could have seen them tripping up, as Jamie Williams thought they would on our last podcast here. Um, so what do you think, man? Do you think Sam Houston solidified their argument for being a top seed? I've been more of... I actually think they're deserving of it, regardless of resume as things work out, which is not normally my take. I just know how good they are. You've got a little bit of pushback if we see some resumes go undefeated or one loss. What do you think, man? Top seed or no? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they go undefeated and then there's like just a hypothetical, one of the big sky teams who actually will play top 10 teams goes undefeated or a Missouri Valley team that goes undefeated. I don't think Sam Houston has the resume to get the number one seed. I just don't think they do. Um, their best win would be UCA, who's right now hovering around 20. Um, and if UCA loses one more game, they're out of the top 25. Sam Houston, even though the AQ7 we thought was going to be way more promising, they could end the season with zero wins with teams ranked in the top 25 to finish the season. So, I, I mean, here's the thing, though. UCA, Sam Houston has not won on the stripes since, what, 2015? Yeah, that's a big uh, win. That's a this big is, win. Yeah, and it's an in-conference, you know, rivalry of the top two teams from the South on the last few years. Um, this was one of those things. Sam Houston, sure, they let UCA come back, but they were dominating for a lot of the game. And then, you know, Central Arkansas just started coming back. It happens to people. Um, the nice thing is Sam Houston did what they were supposed to do. at the four, In the fourth quarter, they closed it down. They eliminated any potential chance of UCA to come back, and they, you know, won 10 points over Central Arkansas. Um I do think, yeah, they're they're going to get a seed. I mean, you went out. You're probably looking at a top three seed pending other teams. Could be potentially number one just because Sam Houston has a name, the resume, uh, or the name. I guess they were the defending national champs. We'll see what the committee does. Uh, but I don't think they'll have a resume if another one of the other teams goes undefeated or even one loss to an FCS or an FBS team. Because also Sam Houston's only going to end the season with 10 wins. So they're going to – because they, they – have two bye weeks. They decided we played a lot in the spring. We're only going to play a 10 game. We're doing two. 
Yeah, so um, that could end up hurting when you're having, let's say, a Montana and then maybe a South Dakota State. Let's say Montana's 11-1, and one, and they beat uh, Montana State and Eastern Washington and UW. Do you think Sam Houston deserves to be over Montana? Yeah. Not even remotely when you, you know, Sam Houston State's best win in Central Arkansas. Is South Dakota State dominates and runs through the Missouri Valley, which it looks like they might. Um, do you think Sam Houston State deserves to be over them when SDSU would have wins over North Dakota, North Dakota State, Missouri State, like uh, Colorado State? Probably not. If James Madison runs the table, do you think they're going to have the resume when James Madison's beating a Delaware, a Villanova, some of these other teams? Probably not. Um, the one thing that helps for them is they, they're the defending national champions and they're going to keep winning. I think they go throughout the season undefeated. Yeah, I, I like that take. And, you know, if it'll be interesting to see how the committee views them at the end. So solidifying the top seed, I think I think Sam Houston's going to run the table and nobody's going to debate that. They're going to win every game in the regular season. It would be a shock not to see it. The question will be, how does who we believe are the top tier teams, Montana, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, James Madison. Uh, hey, could be Eastern after these weekend's results. How do those teams finish out? And then you stack an actual fall of 2021 resume up against each other so solidified no but dang i think we're easily going to put some money down for them to be a top four seed and be undefeated in the regular season yeah so still looking good great question hall we appreciate it rolling into our final question my man for the top seven here i love this one from mr jamie williams it's going to be our big matchup the reason for this episode uh, he says, what matchup has bigger implications, NDSU at UND or Montana at Eastern Washington? Holy moly. The people are going to be paying attention to these games. And uh, Mr. Neal, I'll toss it to you to start, man. What do you think? Do you think my Bison going up to UND for the first time since 2001 uh, has implications? Or Montana, correct me if I'm wrong, who's never won on the Inferno? Uh, which one has bigger implications long-term? I think they are they both have huge implications, especially because these are four playoff-type teams, right? Um, I think the Missouri Valley has a better chance to get an extra team in than the Big Sky right now. So for one, I do think the Big Sky matchup right now has more playoff implications or long-term ones, just because I think if it's head-to-head -head and there's five teams from the Valley that's playoff eligible and five teams from the Big Sky that's playoff eligible, and you can only choose one, you're, you're picking the Valley right now. They're the better conference. Um, so I'm going to say Montana and Eastern Washington also because here's the thing. Montana's already gone through one of their three tough games on this season. They're going to play Eastern Washington. That's their number two. And then they play Montana State, and I think it's at Wagriz. If they end that season, if they beat Eastern Washington, they have played two of their three tough matchups, and then they end the season with that rivalry. Now, I know MSU's won the last four years, but it is at Wagriz. They seem to be rolling in this hype train. So if Montana wins and they have a top 20 FBS win, two top 10 qualifying or caliber type teams, they probably just locked in the one seed. That helps. Also, Eastern Washington. Here's the thing. We're 4-0 for the first time since 1997. Uh, and the nice thing is we have a much tougher schedule than basically Montana. If we get through this with a win, and the good news is we still have three more tough teams tough games we have to go to uc davis we play weber we play montana state that's tough dude the nice thing is three of them are at home eastern washington has a very good home field record let's say hypothetically eastern washington get, can get by this and then they also beat uc davis which uc davis has never beaten eastern so that that could be one of those things 
Eastern Washington, I know Jamie says JMU deserves a one seed if they go undefeated. If you're looking at resumes, if Eastern Washington goes undefeated, they 100% have a better resume than JMU, um, especially because JMU's best win would be a team that Eastern Washington beats as well, right? Uh, yep. In this hypothetical scenario. Uh, so I just think NDSU and UND, they're almost both locks for the playoffs where Eastern Washington can lose all four of their tough games and be out of the playoffs um, or be a bubble. But Montana, they don't have a lot of tough games to where they can afford to lose this and still be that top top seeded team that's going to have teams come to Missoula. Um, they want to be at home throughout the whole playoffs. So this is huge for them um, just because if they lose, they may not have the resume the, uh, the rest of the year, and then maybe they don't beat Montana State. But both are both are massive games for the week. Oh, it's huge. Um, all your points are good. I, I just have to feel like it's NDSU or UND for the game because of one reason. I think we all think Montana is the best team in the big sky and we're possibly believing Eastern could be that. And you're talking about the best team in the big sky, right? That phrase right there. And that's why I think the implication is bigger for NDSU and UND because I think everyone pretty much knows South Dakota State is the best team in the Missouri Valley. So who's going to win this game now and give themselves a little bit of leeway when they travel to Brookings to play South Dakota State? Because let's say NDSU loses up at UND. Let's say it's a last-second field goal. Holy moly, storm storm the field. UND wins. If they go down and lose to SDSU, they're not, they're not a top-eight seed. And now you're traveling come playoff time once you already hit those quarterfinals. And UND, they need this win to show who they are, like to have any remote chance. And both of these teams have championship implications. They believe they could win a championship this year. Of course, Montana and Eastern is in the same boat. I just think because there's a team within the conference that is viewed as literally a lot of people are now are like South Dakota State right now, better than Sam Houston. They're my number one. The quarterback play is back. I think you need some leeway to be a top eight seed, five through eight, if you lose to South Dakota State close. Because you can be like, well, they did go up to UND win. Well, they did beat you and I. That's a top 20 team. And they only lost close to South Dakota State. Yeah, they're a six or a seven. You know, that gets you a first round bye. That, that's a that's a big game changer. Unfortunately, what? I know you can just come back at me with like everything for Montana Eastern, which is why this question is so hard. But no, I'm going to go with NDSU UND because they have a team that is above them viewed in the conference. I like all your points, but what a loser mentality. I'm going to pick UND versus NDSU because this is who's going to be second place in my conference. Well, or the other one's first place implications. Here. What hey, a loser mentality. A, you a bird's bum. eye view. You bum. Bird's <laughs> eye view. This ain't, this ain't no, that NDSU element, this ain't no, I, look, how do I point on this thing? Yeah. Like a green screen with a weatherman. Um, yeah, I, I think, I'm not I think both are this. huge. I, oh, it's just huge. It, it's almost an impossible thing to answer because the, the, the answer will be in hindsight. Uh, but it's going to be absolutely massive and we're going to we could dive into this a lot more but we'll get to be able to do that at the end of the podcast my man because these are our games of the week uh right now so seven big hitters for week four ending and as we roll into week five but of course we have some quick hit questions we want to get to because we'd love to give shout outs to all of our fans who've asked us questions so let's roll into those quick hitters my man just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care these are the quick hit questions of the week. All righty, rolling into our quick hitters right here. Uh, starting off, we have Evan Wilson coming back again with us, Kyler. Really like this one. He says, what does it take to take down the Sam Houston Facebook banner and sponsor a real team? 
Um, I got this. Evan is referring to FCS Fans Nation, the Facebook page, uh, how we have the Sam Houston National Championship banner as our cover photo. Um, actually takes nothing for that part of the page to change. We've just, we haven't changed the cover photo. We could change that to anything. Typically, Lawrence Duke Dog comes up with something cool and we just throw it up there. The thing to focus on, Evan, is the color of the page. If you notice when you open the page on your Facebook app, the entire border of it is Sam Houston orange. That was South Dakota State blue when SDSU was number one. Or no, they were or James Madison. When James Madison was number one in the polls for the longest time. We do the color of the page within the app based off who is the number one team right now in the stats top 25 poll. And so right now it's still Sam Houston. So until Sam Houston is not the number one team in the poll or somebody in the playoff seating becomes that team, we'll change the color. All right, Kyler. So here we have uh, Jason Plotkin coming up here for our second quick hit question, my man. Uh, McNeese is meeting with the WAC. Texas A&M Commerce is moving up to the Southland. Is that one step forward and one step back for the Southland? Um, that is actually a really good question, Jason. And yes, that's 100% true. I feel like the Southland is totally on teeter mode right now. They're literally just, they're trying to bring up Texas A&M Commerce, you know, from the depths of Division II level, trying to help them out a little bit. And then McNeese is now in conversations with the WAC. And it's not like McNeese is having a great season this year, um, but that's still an established good program in Louisiana. And you would hate to see them jump and literally replacing them with Texas A&M Commerce. So that's kind of a brutal uh, cut right there. We'll have to see how it plays out, but a lot of people are already thinking the Southland's in a lot of trouble as a conference as realignment gets crazier. Um, Mr. Neal, I got a question for you, my man, from Jacob Martinez and Dustin Helton. Uh, this is initially from Jacob, but Dustin also had a kind of a question similar to this. Basically that the Big South and AQ7 are trying their hardest to lose all of their remaining uh, at-large bids. But if you had to pick one team and one conference to still get an at-large bid, which one would it be, my man? So so the Big South, I already think, is a, a one big league from kind of how it started. Um, you're probably only going to get the champs in unless Kennesaw. Yeah, I, I think it's only a one big league right now. Um, AQ7, they are trying their hardest. But I think we've already kind of established that. Right now, I think it's still a two-bid league. It's going to go to if Jacksonville State uh, maybe only loses to, you know, Sam Houston State, the winner of the UCA Jacksonville State game, as long as both of them go undefeated, or even, you know, SFA versus one of them is probably your second bid. But right now they are doing their best to lose to every bid. You don't lose to, you know, Missouri State and expect, hey, we're the second best team from the AQ7. We deserve to be over the sixth best team from the Valley. You do not use to uh, UT Martin, who may not be the top team in the OVC. They may. And then expect to go, hey, we deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, so that's one of those things. Right now, you are doing everything you can. I still think you're a two-bid conference, but that's about it right now. Cool, cool. Uh, Mr. Jeremiah Rash, our Southern Illinois mega fan. What was the best come from behind victory this week? Easy money here. A team that almost did this to you, Kyler, for your Eastern Washington Eagles. Uh, Western Illinois, the Leathernecks, down 28 points to Youngstown State in week four. That game should be completely over, and Western Illinois comes all the way back to win in the second half. Literally erases and evaporates that 28-point lead by the end of the third quarter. So uh, credit to the Leathernecks. These guys just don't give up. Drew Marine's out there, you know. They, they're, they're not willing to die on that football field. So kudos to Western Illinois. Congratulations on the victory. And Youngstown, got to be better than that, man. Got to be better than that. Uh, Kyler, I hate to ignore you, but just because of the order of things, this next one I think should come to me as well. 
Uh, Joshua Hoffman, big South Dakota State fan, says, why should a rabbit worry about a hawk or a bison since we don't play them for a month? Hey, really good question. Um, gives you plenty of time to prep for them, Joshua. Uh, but the reasons to worry about the hawks or the bison, honestly, SDSU doesn't have a lot of them. Uh, North Dakota State is looking like a different team. The defense is much improved. It's grown up a bit. Quincy Patterson uh, obviously is looking a lot better than what Zeb Nolan was bringing to the table. So NDSU, the offense is more effective and the defense appears to be more ferocious. However, you're not coming to the Fargo Dome, so you shouldn't really have to worry about them as much. And then when you look at UND, you guys obviously went to UND in the spring season and lost that game. Um, they're coming to you and UND historically has not been that great on the road. So if I was a South Dakota State fan, I'd worry a little bit about the border battle, but still be very confident because that means NDSU has to fix the fact that you ran for 300 rushing yards on them in the Fargo Dome. So we'll see if that gap has changed at all and we'll see how it plays out. So Tyler, we kind of talked about this earlier in the show, but uh, Mr. Marcus Allens, who's a Sam Houston fan, wants to know, is SFA a top 25 team and will it add more spice to the Battle of Piney Woods? So... Um... They're doing better than, you know, probably we would have thought, right? Um, the main thing is, sure, they beat Tarleton State. So did Southern Utah. Um, sure, they beat Mississippi Valley State, but who hasn't? And then, sure, they beat Lincoln, California. I don't know what division they are in. The nice thing is, besides Tarleton, who is an in-state kind of team, you know, sometimes in-state, they get more pumped up, even if Tarleton's not good. Um, but the other two teams are dominating. They're doing what a top 25 caliber team should do to these programs. But the cool thing is, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Texas Tech. Again, that's more like that Tarleton going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stephen F. Austin and then a little bit of a bigger difference going against Texas Tech, right? But they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Here's the deal. I do not have you in my top 25 yet, but you have two prove-it games coming up. Next weekend, Sam Houston State Battle of the Piney Wood, and then also you're going to Jacksonville State the week after. If you are competitive against Sam Houston State, you're probably going to get some 25 votes. Uh, if you upset them, you are going to get all the top 25 votes. You're going to be in the top 25. <laughs> yeah. But then if you lose to Sam Houston State in a close game, and you, maybe you're not up in the top 25 yet, and who knows, you may be even tomorrow when the polls come out. I'm not sure. You're pretty close, I'm sure, in some people's polls. But if you lose close to Sam Houston State, make it competitive, and then you beat Jacksonville State, top 25 team. So right now, you have two weeks of consistently proving it, and you are in it. The It's up to you guys how you perform right now, uh, but there's not enough... I don't think there's enough game film when you're playing Mississippi Valley State, when you're playing Tarleton, when you're playing Lincoln, California, or I don't even know if maybe it's Carolina. I have no clue who that team is, um, but you're looking good. You're looking extremely good. So um, prove it next week. Prove it the week after and you're in. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, we'll see how they stack up because you're going up against a true championship caliber team, which will be great. Uh, final few ones here. Mr. Brandon Anderson, how long till St. Thomas can compete in the Pioneer League as they got their first FCS victory over Butler, 36 to nothing? Congratulations to them. Um, I may have jokingly said they were the team to beat in the Pioneer League in the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't think they're going to be winning the Pioneer this year, but uh, I will say this. They remind me of UNA, who had a really good, successful D2 uh, success, won some championships. Uh, St. Thomas basically was kicked out of Division Three for just being way too good and moved all the way up to the FCS level. I've always said this programs find ways programs never really die. You know, they may have, they may go dormant. There may be some downtimes, but St. Thomas has the funding. It's a lot of alumni. It's a very a wealthy area in terms of the money that's going into it. People want to play in it. It's a fun place to be in Minnesota. So uh, St. Thomas, 
won't be long before they are really, really competitive in the Pioneer League, especially with NIL. I think that's going to really help them uh, being amongst the Pioneer League. So uh, I like Kyler's kind of throwback where he talked about UNA and he's like, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So maybe it doesn't take five, but I'll say at least half a decade if you wanted me to say to be competitive and kind of maybe more of a standard in the Pioneer League. So final one here, my man, uh, Kyler, is UIW, Incarnate Word, the new Sam Houston of the Southland, and who wins the Battle of Piney Woods? Uh, Dustin Helton, the Rev. Um, I think we both already said we both think Sam Houston will win uh, that game against SFA. So let's kind of stick with that first one. Incarnate Word, are they the new Sam Houston of the Southland? Nope. Um, I think they're a stock you want to get into, like we already covered. But I think this is still Southeastern Louisiana's conference to lose. Um, and if you look at kind of what they are, they're, they play the same type of style as a middle-of-the-decade Sam Houston. They, they play the same type of style as an old-school Eastern Washington, where you're just slinging it. They got Cole Kelly, Jeremiah Briscoe. Does that kind of ring a bell? So I, I, I think you know SLU has everything to line themselves up with are they the same Houston they are the favorite to win that conference but yeah incarnate word you're playing well maybe you're the next UCA it could be interesting to see how it plays out but hey they're, they're building good things you know when they came up to the FCS level which wasn't long ago you just you were like who the heck incarnate word what is that and uh there you go they're playing good football so good for them all right my man let's get into our game of the week of course this week it will be games this is the matchup you should be paying attention to. This is the FCS Fans Nation Game of the Week. All right, my man. We have two of them on the docket today. They're just too good, and we've already kind of talked about it. Um, North Dakota State, number five in the nation, 3-0, going to number 10, UND, who's 2-1. None of these teams have an FCS loss of these two games we're going to cover. So let's start. Uh, we'll kick with you, right? We'll start with you, my man, for this one, since my team is involved in it. How do you think this game plays out with North Dakota State going to UND for the first time in two decades? What do you think? Yeah, uh, this is one of those things. UND, you've been improving the last few years. You look, you look solid. You look like a new team that's going up to the Valley and you're competing right away. I don't think you're there yet. I, I just think you kind of took people by surprise this first spring season. People weren't aware of this type of style you ran, but I think you're going to be better than you were in the big sky overall. Um, so I'm going to pick NDSU. I just think they're better on all sides of the ball. And I, even though it is at home and, you know, UND says we always win at home. Last time they played was 2003 or something like that, right? That was not the same NDSU team that we've seen the last decade. <laughs> Um, if, if I have to pick the game, I'm going to say North Dakota State uh, wins, and I'm going to say 35-17. 35-17. So kind of close to that, uh, I think it was 36-13 that we saw in the spring. 34-13, apologies. Um, I just don't know if the gap is closed, and this is going to sound biased, but I just literally in this podcast made the same argument for South Dakota State. Has the gap closed for NDSU going to South Dakota State, where South Dakota State rushed for 300 rushing yards? Has that gap closed? I'm not convinced where NDSU's now defense looks way better. Their quarterback plays way better and everything they're doing is more efficient. I'm not convinced that UND is just going to close a giant 20 point gap just because it's up in Grand Forks. So I'll take NDSU to win. I do think it'll be closer because it is on the road. It'll be NDSU's first true test. And UND, I'm not as low on them as others are. 
So I will take NDSU to win this game, but I'm going to take them at, we'll go 27 to 13. So a little bit of a closer kind of back and forth game, but NDSU pulls away near at the end. All right, my man, big matchup here. Number four, Montana, 2-0, going to number six, Eastern Washington. Big high-ranking game, expensive tickets out there on the Red Inferno. Uh, Montana coming in. Boy, this is a tough game to pick because you got EB3 at home, the high-flying Eastern Washington offense and defense. I don't care what happened against Western. They're not terrible by any means, but I just think all three phases benefit Montana. I think they finally get you guys on the red. Um, I think that defense is playing really well. Might give Eric Berry some fits, and the running game should be pretty productive for Montana. So I will take Montana in a barn burner, a close one, because EB3 and uh, the red ain't just going to go away. I'll say 38 to... 31 Montana gets a close victory my man what do you think I think everything he said is pretty good um here's one of those things this is one of those true true games what what bends what breaks right um no one's been able to break Eastern Washington's offense no one's been able to break Montana's defense we saw little bits of pieces from you know Eastern Washington versus Western Illinois the second half they kind of collapse I think it is due to just the humidity and being gas we're not conditioned for that we need to do a much better job being conditioned but then also this last game we now Cal Poly it is it is a Bo Baldwin offense yes Cal Poly did not score but they were able to pick apart uh Montana secondary a little bit um they just couldn't close the drives Eastern Washington is a team we have much better talent than Cal Poly we have been throwing the ball a lot longer than Cal Poly. We have a much better quarterback than anyone on Cal Poly's roster right now. Um, so it is going to be one of those really weird games. I think it's anyone's game to lose, anyone's game to win. Um, but I'm going to go with the homer pick because I can. Screw you, Matt. So I'm going to go 38-31, <laughs> the exact same score as you. Ooh. But I'm going to go Eastern Washington. Hey, I will say this for one more actual point. When I really started diving into Montana to be kind of my high-end dark horse, if you will, I did notice they brought in some transfers to the secondary because their secondary was so young coming out of that 2019 mm -hmm. season. And it was kind of a detriment to them. Now they played a lot better, but if we're, we're going to see the true test if that secondary has been improved. So yeah, they Montana has not played a good offense so far. Eastern Washington has not played a good defense so far. Mm -hmm. So who knows what's really going to happen? Uh, I mean, they played Cal Poly, the same Cal Poly Eastern Washington made quit in the spring. You know, that's, that's one of those things they played Western Illinois and they played them at home. We played them on the road. We put up more offense than Montana. We put up more offense in a quarter and a half than they did all game. But guess what? We gave up more points than Montana's given up in the last few seasons together. <laughs> so it's one of those things. Right. I think this is anyone's game. Good luck. But I'll, I'm going to go with the homer pick, of course. Hey, that's okay. We'll see how it plays out. And it's honestly, it's not biased at all because it's going to be a heck of a matchup. So, Well, I picked I'll Eastern Washington in my preseason to lose two games. I said we, we're, we start 4-0, we start 5-0. And I said, we'll lose to UC Davis and we'll lose to MSU. Those were kind of my games I picked. So I'm going to stick by it until it happens, until, you know, I'm proven wrong. Hey, that's okay. You don't got to explain yourself. I, I don't get a pass. It's like, everyone's like, why would Kyler say that? Meanwhile, Matt, the NDSU fans just like, yeah, NDSU is going to win by 20 points or whatever. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. But you are. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see. All right, my man. Hey, we held down the fort pretty well. Uh, it'll be nice to have Jamie back next weekend. But we are going to have some insane matchups, including the last two we just covered. So week five is going to expose a lot for who's a phony and who's real in terms of an actual title contender as we're working our way down to Frisco. Kyler, thank you for taking your Sunday afternoon uh, for spending some time with me for us to knock out this FCS Fans Nation podcast. Guys, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to this podcast, drop us a rating. 
and subscribe on YouTube as well because you'll be able to watch this on a video version, see live streams. Uh, FCS Fans Nation Network, we've got the Splitting Hair South Dakota State podcast on there, Around the Ace on Cocky Nation, the Chris Football Show, all here on YouTube. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope you enjoy next week as the big dogs are colliding. So as long as you're not watching on Flow Sports, enjoy your non-buffering, amazing FCS football, and we will catch you guys next week. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. Workout brand, but they're doing energy drinks now. Everything comes to Fargo two months late. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't but matter. It, it's Starburst flavor. <laughs>